0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Back on college football today. Top 25 battles. Doesn't get better than this. Here at Fantasy Sports Television and Radio Network, we partnered up with a great organization DKMS. You've heard Rich and I talk about it. It's an organization looking to delete blood cancer throughout the nation by looking for donors. And here we have a great fantasy sports game with the opportunity, Rich, to win Super Bowl tickets.
1: We throw around the term heroes a lot these days, and sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. I I think of heroes as people who are willing to give back to save lives, and people who are bone uh, marrow donors really fall into that category. I think it's a heroic move. I love the fact that we have teamed up with DKMS. So, yeah, you you could play free fantasy games week after week. You win. You move on to the finale at the end of the season with a shot to win Super Bowl 52 uh, tickets. And
0: both of our families have been affected by blood lymphoma and blood cancer. So it's an organization that's very close to the both of us. To join up, go to DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS. Or go to RotoExperts.com backslash DKMS. Or call 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. Join, play, and win. It's a win-win for everybody with a great organization, DKMS. Rich, intriguing battle. It's USC. It is UCLA. Two, I want to say, helter-skelter teams. You have a team in Josh Rosen in UCLA, 5-0 and at home, 0-5 on the road, and have lost those five games on the road by 19.2 points per game. I think they get blown out here today by Sam Darnold. I agree. They're giving up 302
1: yeah. rushing yards to opposing offenses. Big day for Ronald Jones, and, and, and Sam Darnold has... Turn things around. The early turnovers this season have now become more consistency. The entire USC team, much like last year, not as potent as last season, but like last year under Clay Helton, they've gotten better as the season has gone on. Now, my one concern is defensively average. My worry would be a backdoor cover. I mean, if this is a 22-23 point game late Uh, by USC, and that wouldn't surprise me. I could see Josh Rosen going down the field late and getting the cover, so it's not a best bet of mine. But in terms of how these teams are playing... USC is just basically hurtling towards that Pac-12 championship game, playing very well. I think Ronald Jones will be the star. Sam Donald will be more of a compliment. And that UCLA defense, last in the country against the run, very soft. They've got a coach in Jim Mora. If not for a massive buyout, I think he would be on his way out right now. I
0: agree. He should be out in terms of what they've done. They've gone the opposite way after back-to-back 10-3 and seasons. I mean, the physicality is no longer there in UCLA, if Clay Helton decides to put this game on Sam Darnold's shoulders... I mean, he, wrong game plan. Yeah. Run Ronald Jones yeah. between the tackles, wear down UCLA. That little, little play lineup? action mixed in, uh, unreal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's I mean, but I can see Josh Rosen in this game with nothing to play for, right. five and five, putting up seven touchdowns just because he's up against Sam Darnold yeah. in this ball game. It is an eight o'clock kick on ESPN. When we come back, we'll be talking about TCU and Texas Tech. Joe Lisi and Rick Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. UCLA, USC, Josh Rosen versus Sam Darnold. Possibly the two top quarterbacks taken in next year's NFL draft. But to me, it comes down to the rushing attack of USC and Ronald Jones. UCLA not playing with a physicality. I think USC dominates this ballgame. They're going to try and put up 50. I think they get 50, 52 to 30
1: over UCLA. Yeah, I'm going to take USC. The backdoor cover does concern me. I can't lie about that. Just because you have such a talented quarterback, Rosen, you wisely brought it up in the last segment where he's going to to play fast and loose and he's going to try to compete with Sam Darnold. I love the matchup between the quarterbacks. Hate the UCLA defense. Hate the lack of physicality on that entire UCLA team. USC is just better. I've got to go with the better team. I'll take USC Lane. Yeah,
0: it's an eight o'clock kick. It's on ABC. Not the best eight o'clock matchup when you look at the physicality and the and the tradition of this rivalry. It's a good rivalry o- over the last decade. It's yeah. good. it's good. It's got I a lot of Gary tradition. Think Gary
1: Beban, OJ Simpson, JJ Stokes. 16s. How about JJ
0: Stokes, yeah. Danny Farmer? The, yeah. Those are the group.
1: Skip Hicks, yeah, Kenny for UCLA. That's what. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I love, like UCLA. I love the old. Pac-12. But Ricky
0: Irvin's was my favorite. USC running back of all time, number thirty-four. I was a Ricky he was Bell short. Guy. He Ricky was Bell. short. Yeah, I like yeah. those short running backs yeah. that, that hit the weight room. But all right, that's uh, for a different show. Let's let's talk about the Big Twelve battle. TCU and Gary Patterson on the road in Lubbock to face five and five Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury and the crew looking to become bowl eligible. Picked up this victory, twenty-seven to twenty-four last year in Fort Worth. But I'm still banking with no Kenny Hill. I know Sean Robinson gets the start, but I'm banking on the TCU defense holding opposing offenses to 82 rushing yards per game and 27% on third-down conversions. They make Texas Tech one-dimensional
1: and pick up a gutty 13-point win in Lubbock. This is a huge game for TCU. I know we're all focusing on what happened last week. They lost a tough game to Oklahoma, pivotal game. But TCU still controls its own destiny in terms of getting to the Big 12 championship game. So if they win this week, win next week, they're going to get a rematch for better or for worse. I don't know if they want it, but they're going to get a rematch against Oklahoma. I really like the potential of Sean Robinson. I know you lose a lot of leadership in Kenny Hill. He's got the experience. You'd like to have that going on the road in Lubbock. But Sean Robinson is a future star. I think we get glimpses of that today. I, I think we're going to start to see the future behind center for TCU. No Darius Anderson either, but that's okay. Kyle Hicks has been used to being the feature back. He'll be able to handle that load. And, you know, the, the other reason why I like TCU and Robinson is that Texas Tech defense. You know, they got the win last week, 38-24 to 24 against Baylor. But look at the offensive numbers for the Bears. Well, maybe one of the reasons why you like Baylor today over 500 yards 31 first down. So I think TCU will be able to move the ball, create some havoc defensively. I agree with you, Joe. I think TCU it might be tough for a while. You know, let down after last week's game, no starting quarterback, but I think in the end they pull away. I'll agree with you, say a 13 to 14 point victory for the Horn Frogs. The
0: one thing that Texas Tech was able to do last week was they were able to force turnovers against Baylor. They created Three turnovers and were able to score off those in, in route to the 38 to 24 win on a neutral field in Arlington over Baylor. But when you look at Kenny Hill, I don't put a lot into his absence in this ballgame because if you look at the production over the last three weeks by TCU's offense, one passing touchdown over the last three games, was he injured during that stretch? You might have better production with Sean Robinson and more importantly, third down offense. This is an offense over the last three weeks with Kenny Hill that was only converting 29% of their third downs. They're entering this ballgame. 48% 48% at the middle of the year. They were number one in college football. 53% they were converting. So it's a different offense as the season is worn on. I think you're going to get a better production from TCU. And the better coach, in my opinion, is Gary Patterson. I'm not sold on Kingsbury, especially against Big 12 competition this year.
1: Yeah, and that secondary is a mess right now. They've they've allowed 27 touchdown passes 105th nationally in pass efficiency defense. So the key is going to be obviously you want to protect the young quarterback, but you also want to get the ball in the hands of the playmakers in the slot and on the outside. You want to be able to challenge that Texas Tech secondary. So you know, Gary Patterson, the offensive staff, they're going to have to get the ball in the hands of Kevontae Turpin, John D'Arce, Jalen Rager. You start to use those wide receivers a little bit more, balance out the offense. And I agree with you. I'd rather have Kenny Hill if I'm taking TCU just because he's been there, done that. The game's in Lubbock. Usually a wild atmosphere but in terms of upside potential sean robinson dwarfs kenny hill and kenny hill has been trending in the opposite direction you bring up a good point maybe he's been dinged up a little bit in the past couple of weeks maybe he's not 100 percent because he has not looked good at all has not looked like no. the same quarterback that we saw earlier in the season as a runner and a passer but i'm banking on sean robinson i know it's risky first career start but an enormous potential. I think he takes advantage of that Texas Tech defense and again, I agree with you. Gary Patterson versus Cliff Kingsbury is a mismatch. Jay. Yeah, a lot of
0: pressure on Texas Tech now. They're 5-5. Five and five. I, I've said it before. This is a team and a coach that's on the hot seat in Cliff Kingsbury. He hasn't lived up to the expectations, maybe from an offensive perspective, but he's right around 330 winning percentage within the Big 12. We're not talking about an upper echelon team here since Mike Leach left. I mean, he had that team in the top, at least the top 15 yeah. for much of his tenure there. He's taken it the opposite direction. So I think TCU 13 point win. I think 33 to 20. I, I could see a low scoring game and TCU's defense forcing Texas yeah. Tech to work
1: here. And, and I think it will be close in the first half. I, I just don't think Texas uh, uh, TCU is positioned to just run away, especially with a young quarterback. But defense significantly better than uh, Texas Tech. The ability to create turnovers, their secondary play, they'll be challenged They'll be challenged by Nick Shimonic. I get that. But at the end of the day, Schmanek will throw a couple of picks. TCU will take one back the other way, maybe set up a short field situation uh, for Kyle. Hicks. And, and again, Kyle Hicks is a big key. We forget because Darius Anderson sort of a right. breakthrough player in 2017. But Kyle Hicks was the feature back last year. And if he has to carry a bigger load today behind an offensive line of the Horn Frogs that has performed well all season long, I think he'll be just fine.
0: And I think running back is the one position where... you. you. You don't get a significant drop-off. Maybe a wide receiver in terms of route-running ability, quarterback in terms of decision-making. But running back, as long as the offensive line is opening up holes, you'll get the same type of production. So we both like TCU. I think it's a 330 kick in Lubbock. Check it out. We'll turn our attention to another Big 12 battle. It's Kansas State on the road against Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State's won three of the last five by four points per game. They picked this win up in Manhattan last year – Forty-three to thirty-seven. Mason Rudolph led a two-minute drive. They scored right under twenty seconds left. Kansas State needs this win to become bowl eligible at five and five. But I think this is a bad matchup for the Wildcats. I think it's the Oklahoma State offense that's averaging three hundred and seventy-eight passing yards per game, going up against that K-State secondary. Rich giving up three hundred and three passing yards per game. That's their highest total since prior to two thousand and eight. Oak State 48,
1: K-State 17. Yeah, I mean, I know you love to, to just basically uh, <laughs> you know, pick against Kansas State whenever it's possible, so I, I expected this pick. The one thing about Kansas State, four of their five losses by a touchdown or less and that includes Oklahoma. That includes West Virginia. So, you know, Kansas State has not been a great team. This has not been vintage Bill Snyder this year, but they have competed. They've got the young quarterback in Skyler Thompson. Showed some flashes on the ground last week, Joe. Now that he has a start under his belt, I think he'll be a little bit more comfortable as the leader of that offense this week. This is one thing we, you know, you and I like to dig a little deep. We peel back the onion sometimes. One of the reasons why Kansas State is competitive when they don't necessarily have the athletes that the opponent does is they have one of the best special teams units in the entire country. Matt McGrane, uh their place kicker, Nick Walsh, the punter, DJ Reed in the return game. So they have those those hidden yards where they get an advantage in field position, maybe the field goal that that sort of gives them the cover. I don't think they're going to compete. I don't think they're going to win, but I would take 21 points with Kansas State to me is generous. I'll take Kansas State to cover that number.
0: Yeah, I look at it, and you're right about the special teams. They got two big returns against West Virginia that allow them to score 23 points in that ball game last week. I think when you look at Oklahoma State overall in this ball game, it does come down to Mason, Mason Rudolph's ability, especially in terms of stretching that defense. Yeah. He has completed 64% of his passes, 3,690 yards, 30 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. This is an offense in uh, Oklahoma State that's converting 47% on third downs. And when you look at Kansas State's offense as a whole, they're only averaging 380 total yards as an offense. That's where I see the difference. Plus those wide receivers, Aitman. Yeah. You have Stoner. You have Washington if he McCleskey. plays, and McCleskey. I think it's going to be too much, especially playing at home, last home game. I like
1: Oklahoma State to roll. Yeah. There. And K State is not the team that comes. That's not a comeback mode yes. kind of team. This isn't Texas Tech. They're a ground and pound kind of team. So once they get down, and they will get down early, because Oklahoma State could score anybody. That is a tough matchup but i could see this being something like a 41 to 24 type
0: yeah we'll see it is a 330 kick when we come back we'll be talking a former nebraska defensive back ralph brown keep it where it is joe lisi and ritz sermonello live on the fantasy sports radio network studio 34 Intriguing Big Ten battle, Nebraska and Penn State. If you want to learn more about the Cornhuskers, you get a former All-American on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. He joins us, former Nebraska defensive back Ralph Brown. Ralph, how are you today?
2: I'm um, great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Ralph, a very disappointing loss last week for Nebraska. Tanner Lee got injured. They got blown out by Minnesota. They look to rebound on the road today in Happy Valley against Penn State. Give me your thoughts about what you feel Mike Riley's done this season and where this team stands heading into this ballgame against the Nittany Lions.
2: Well, for Mike Rowley, in the beginning of the season, we had high hopes, and he did as well. You know, you bring in uh, Bob Diaco, the highly touted defensive coordinator, the fan base that Nebraska is excited about, what could happen. Tanner Lee's ready to go, and it seems like Nebraska is stacked and ready to try to challenge for the Big West Division, and the wheels kind of just fall off. They couldn't keep the team together. A lot of big plays were being given up on the defensive side of the ball. The offense couldn't basically gain their stride, and you end up at this point in the season with six losses and it's tough. Nebraska fans are uncomfortable, comfortable. And Mike Riley, you know, his job is basically, you know, not going to stay there by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, that's where I wanted to go, Ralph. Obviously, it looks like a coaching change will happen, uh, probably should happen. I don't think this program's headed in the right direction. If you had your druthers or if you talk to other Huskers, uh, is there a name out there? Is it Scott Frost or Bust or is there another direction that uh, would sort of placate the fan base?
2: All right now, it's, it's Scott Frost or Buss. I mean, you look at what the lineage that uh, Scott Frost came from. He won a national championship at, at Nebraska in 97. He was a quarterback there. And, he, you know, he played under Bill Walsh at Stanford. He played under a great, great coach in Tom Osborne. Then he goes on to the NFL, plays with the Jets under Parcells, and Bill Belichick, and, you know, he advances to Oregon with Chip Kelly. So this guy, he's been around winners his entire life. His parents have uh, developed him as a young child very well, and, Wherever he goes, he wins. He understands the standard. He understands excellent. And you see what he did in the first year at UCF after they didn't win a game in the previous season. They go 6-7, and seven, and now they're 9-0. and oh, And Scott Frost is the guy from Nebraska and for the Huskers, and uh, Bill Moose needs to throw the kitchen sink at him.
0: Ralph, I feel the one thing that Scott Frost brought from Oregon to UCF was a physicality on the offense and defense lines. Two years ago, when he took over, I mean, UCF was only averaging 81 rushing yards per game with George O'Leary. He's really changed that and, and brought a physicality on the defensive side of the ball. And when you look at Nebraska over the last couple of years in terms of the coaches with Mike Riley and Bo Pelini, that's been the one thing that's lacking has been the physicality from the black shirts what is it that scott frost brings in terms of a coach that the other two uh, coaches in riley and pelini couldn't bring there
2: well scott frost understands the, the 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 coaching and training style from tom osborne the, the physicality and practice you have to hit and you have to get a ton of reps it's all about reps and practice to get that continuity to get that gelling and scott frost knows that he knows there's a pace. He picked that up from Chip Kelly, so when you combine those two with with those great coaches and those great minds, Scott Frost knows the exact recipe when he becomes a head coach to make his teams physical on the offensive and defensive fronts on both sides of the ball.
1: Ralph, uh, how good is this job today? Uh, Joe and I you know we we love husker 's football watched it in the 70s the 80s the 90s the heyday of nebraska football that's the way we look at nebraska but as a nation now that they're in the big 10 how good is this job how attractive is it to a potential future coach
2: i think it's an excellent job i mean a lot of fans and and people on the outside look at any program when it's in a slunt and say this program can never get back but it's always about the right coach if you bring nick saban to Hawaii, Nick Saban is going to be a national title contender. You bring Urban Meyer down to Antarctica. The Antarctica is going to be a great uh, university. You know, down there, just it's all about what coach you bring in and the right coach that knows how to win, knows the standard, knows excellence, and knows how to motivate these young men to get, you know, a couple, you know, more percentages of effort out of these guys. And the great coaches know how to do that, and Scott Frost knows how to do that as well. Ralph, when you look at
0: Nebraska, Nebraska in terms of the transition from conferences from the Big 8 to the Big 12 and then to the Big 10 currently, a lot of people, including a lot of experts, Jerry DiNardo from the Big 10 Network, felt that Mike Riley was hurt with the move to the Big 10 going up against Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State in terms of recruiting. Do you see that as a factor as, as why Nebraska hasn't had success within the conference?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that in terms of recruiting, they just have struggled with that, and they haven't been very competitive with Wisconsin going up against Michigan. Minnesota as well. Those coaches, they've basically found a way to have their players subscribe in. They've done a, a great job with recruiting those those teams in the West with, with, with Forens as well. And Mike Riley has just basically struggled mightily in that area, not being able to get in top-flight talent, four- and five-star guys to come into the University of Nebraska. I mean, the, the – the, The resources are there. The national championships are there when you walk into the facilities. And Mike Rowley has had all the support and resources to make make this program turn around. He just hasn't been able to do it.
1: Ralph, can you talk a little bit about the culture of the fan base uh, of Nebraska? It's something I've marveled at for many years, just the, the consecutive sellouts. The backing of this program, and not just that too, but I, I've talked to fans that will travel to Lincoln and, and they'll talk about the fan base being so cordial, so congenial, such a such a decent group of people. Talk a little bit about what you've experienced uh, from the Nebraska fan base
2: well, there's just been a generational thread of just uh, of being uh, you know upstanding citizens, great fans, very supportive, and supporting the team no matter what and Nebraska as a state. As a university, they believe in family, they believe in tradition, and they believe, believe in respecting the other team if Nebraska loses you know the, the ball game. So it's just a great thing to be a part of Nebraska tradition. And when you vote the fan base every year, I think Nebraska always gets voted number one, number two each year in, in terms of how they represent their support and their loyalty to their program. It's just awesome.
0: Ralph, when you look at the game today against Penn State, what does Nebraska have to do to possibly pull off the upset today from an offense and defensive game plan?
2: Well, they have to play their best game at best game of the year, you know, truthfully, and they have to make sure they pack the box and don't allow Saquon Barkley to get loose against them. They they've been struggling. I think they're last in the big ten in and rush defense, so they're gonna have to figure out something to, to stop and slow down Saquon Barkley. But that Penn State offense is it's really good. With with Sorley back there, and they got some good weapons on the perimeter as well, so Nebraska's gonna have to have their best game of the season and then some to get this W today against Penn State.
1: Uh, barring the need for a, a five and seven team, Ralph, in all likelihood Nebraska will be on the outside looking in of the of the bowl season. I'm not a big fan of the forty uh forty game slate, but I realize that fifty teams will not be playing football in December. How much of a of a setback is that to not have those practices, not have that additional sixty minutes in, in December compared to your uh, your counterparts?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a big setback, and it's just it's disheartening if you're a player. You don't get to play in a bowl game. You don't get those extra reps. You don't get to continue your season to prep for a bowl game. There's a lot of added advantages in terms of getting bowl gifts and still being able to play football. in Nebraska, I don't know how long it's been. I've had to do the research when the last time Nebraska uh, didn't go to a bowl game. And, you know, the fan base is going to be broken from that. But, uh, you know, it happened this year. Nebraska needs to make the right choice and bring in the right coach after this season so they can get back on track.
0: Ralph, I know that you were inducted a few years ago into the Nebraska Hall of Fame. You played with guys like Mike Minner and Mike Brown in that secondary. What did it mean for you to be inducted into a, a great, a great class that a Nebraska Hall of Fame? I mean, it doesn't get better than that, does it?
2: No, it doesn't. I mean, uh, it was just such a humbling feeling when I got the letter in the mail that I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Got the phone call, post letter. And it just basically, you know, it was just an exceptional experience going into the Hall of Fame with all of those great names before me and with me, Mike Brown, Mike Minner, Mike Mike, uh, Booker, a lot of great uh, defensive backs that went into the Hall of Fame for Nebraska. And I was just privileged and it was an honor to join in and be uh, alongside them in the Hall.
0: Ralph, great insight and information. When Nebraska does name its new head coach, we'd love to get you on and get your opinion.
2: Oh, definitely. I-, I can't wait, and hopefully we can bring Scott Frost home.
0: Great insight and information. Former All-American, yeah. former, Nebraska, well, his current Nebraska Hall of Fame. I mean, one of the most dominant defensive backs in Cornhuskers history. You look at some of those national championship teams. I mean, unbelievable, yeah. and the physicality of the black shirts.
1: Yeah, and that was the heyday of Nebraska football. I was a big fan of Tom Osborne growing up and the type of program that he ran, his ability uh, to to pluck kids from around the country, bring them to Nebraska. That was a destination type spot for young kids. They they were physical. You know, the the Dean Steincoolers, right? right? The Dave Remingtons, those type of bare knuckle offensive linemen that typified the culture and the personality of that program. And it's unfortunate to see them at four and six right now, possibly headed to a four and eight season. But I found it interesting in talking to Ralph that he is very unabashed, outspoken. They want Scott Frost. I mean, because sometimes this time of year, people will say, Yeah, listen, let's 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 give Mike a shot, and you know, until he's replaced, we're not going to discuss it. But you could hear in his voice. That he, uh, the alums, the the fan base, they want Scott Frost, which is going to create an interesting scenario for A.D. Bill Moose. They want family.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, with Bo Pelini wasn't family. Mike Riley wasn't family. They want a guy that understands yep. the culture, and and Mike Brown and Ralph Brown and Mike Minner, they all understand the work ethic and what it took to win a national championship in '95 and '96. It would be 96. a
1: huge get. It would be a huge, huge. Get for the program. And you talk about rest. some of the
0: great running backs in uh, in Nebraska history: Keith Jones, Doug Dubose, Corey I am Ross. Hip. How about I am li- hit? Well, I like Corey Ross. He was yeah. one, number four. He changed to number twenty. But uh, college football history, I love talking about it. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host, Gabe morenzi We'll get his best bets, 3.30, 8 o'clock. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
2: 4 FNTSY. That's 844 843 6879.
0: The Fancy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source
2: 24 hours a day.
0: We're rocking into the 3.30, o'clock games, hairbands, rock and roll. Let's talk to Game Dying Decisions host Gabe morenzi Gabe, I know you're locked, loaded and ready in your DXR racer chair.
3: Love the DXR racers, absolutely love them. I wish I, I, I wish I had like 14 of them <laughs> spread around uh, the house. And maybe after today, I tell you what, it's boomer bust this morning. I am truly living on a prayer <laughs> for the next three and a half hours. I know. One thing, a lot of people will come on national television, a lot of people will give opinions, and then they go home, and they don't have any skin in the game. I've got my entire body in this game, all right? I put my money where my mouth is. Every pick that I give, I back up, and I actually bet uh, myself. So we're betting all those games that we gave earlier. Temple, Temple plus the 13, Minnesota Golden Gophers plus the seven, Rutgers plus the 11, SMU plus the 12 and a half, Michigan plus the seven, TCU minus the six, and Virginia Cavaliers, plus 19 and a half. And i tell you what, guys, almost every game that I gave, the line moved after against us. Everything, Everything's coming down for the most part. Temple's coming all the way down to 11, but it popped back up. And I heard you guys talking about this North uh, – I heard you talking about the UAB uh, Florida Gator game, and I'm fired up for this game. I, I like UAB a lot in this spot. You know, I, I try to read everything that I possibly can as far as – as quotes from the coaches, what's the mindset coming into this football game? We know that it's been a terrible year for the Florida Gators. They've got three wins. So how do they motivate themselves? Well, I don't know. I don't think Randy Shannon is doing a very good job of this, in which he openly states, yeah, we really don't have much to play for. We can't go for a bowl game. But, you know, we're going to play in front of our family and friends. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's real inspiring. Meanwhile, you have a UAP team, shocking the world, with seven wins right now. Spencer Brown leading the offense 215 yards a game on the ground Their quarterback, dual threat quarterback I think they're in this game, I think UAB can win this game Outright, give me the double digit points With the Blazers and How about this uh, uh, Randy Shannon, 6-14 and 14 Against the spread is a double digit Favorite in his career
0: Wow, let's keep it with a Pac-12 battle I want to ask you about Stanford and Cal We're split on this I think Cal could be a live dog here How do you see this one playing out? this game
3: sort of flew under the uh, the radar uh, as far as i'm concerned i've been so focused on everything else it didn't stand out as a best bet to me but i have a hard time going against uh, david shaw in, in any situation to be honest with you joe i think he's one of the better coaches i'm just looking for an updated line here right now updated point spread updated um you know th- to be honest with you i'm uh i i say uh, i say stanford here joe
1: yeah, I would agree. I I think Cal has been tailing in the wrong direction over the past couple of weeks. Rivalry game, but Stanford has dominated this series. I'm going to keep it in the Pac-12, Gabe. Uh, I, I love rivalry games. It's one of the many things that makes college football, to me, the best sport uh, in America. Uh, USC-UCLA, great quarterback matchup, Sam Darnold versus Josh Rosen. I like USC in this game. I just hate the UCLA defense. Uh, but uh, what say you on the Bruins and the Trojans?
3: just for the record I want to get to the updated number so Stanford's laying 14 right now it's 17 and a half and it keeps on coming down right now you know, I, I'm tempted with the underdog here with you, with you here, Joe, but I can't get in front of the Stanford Cardinal. You know, they, they, they just punch you in the mouth. I think it would be too physical uh, for Cal. But I do like this X game a lot. Give me the plus, the points. Give me the UCLA Bruins in this spot. USC's defense has shown me nothing uh, to want to be laying uh, double digits like this. UCLA are a desperate team coming in here. What better way to punch a spot into the bowl game uh, than beating the USC Trojans? The over is the way to go in this game. Over 70 uh, is the way to go. The game's gonna be a freaking track meet. They'll probably put up about 45, 50 points in the first half alone. We know weather's not gonna be a factor here. I, think I like the over a lot in this game, but I'm taking the points with the UCLA Bruins.
0: How about this SEC game? It's Kentucky on the road in Athens to face Georgia. I had a great call last week against my Bulldogs with Auburn. They now come back home. They're on the outside looking in and have dominated Kentucky seven straight games. But I think UK is in this game, and they can play with Georgia. In the end, Georgia wins, but the Kentucky Wildcats covered this big number i like betting against
3: teams the old bubble burst we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks is the undefeated fall uh but without being stated and we'll get to navy notre dame in a second because i like i like the points in a, in a letdown situation i wonder is georgia let down they only have one loss they're still going to their conference championship game i don't think they let up this is the one that worries me i think navy hangs around we'll get to that in a second but this one worries me a little bit, Joe, because normally I'd like to bet against teams that are coming off the first loss of the season, especially this late uh, in the season when they're laying big numbers. But I've been burnt by this Georgia team before when playing against inferior opponents. I know Kentucky have been moneymakers, and you've cashed some tickets with Kentucky this year. But with that being stated, this one didn't make my list. I'm not betting it. Uh, but I was worried. I think Georgia could blow them out. But conversely, Notre Dame... Notre Dame's a little bit different than Georgia. Georgia's still in the mix right now. There was a lot of talk about Georgia, you know, oh they can lose, and you know they're going to the SEC championship game. Georgia, even though they lost, they still control their own destiny. All right, they they do. They go to the SEC conference championship game. They win, they're going to the playoffs. Georgia's season isn't over. Notre Dame knows it's over now. Notre Dame knows we're not going to the playoffs. And and now you're getting Navy coming in here. And, you know, listen, Notre Dame don't throw the football very efficiently. They're okay, but, you know, they're a run first team. Well, Navy's a run first team. And I know Navy give up over five yards a clip on the ground. is somewhat of a problem. And Notre Dame's an efficient, you know, great, great rushing attack. But so is Navy as well. And, man, you know, as an underdog better, guys, any team that can move the sticks, we always talk about this. You don't even generally need to put points on the board. Move the sticks. Eat the clock. Can I do that? Can I get first downs? Yes, I can. There's a concern of Navy falls behind by too many points because they can't come back if they're going to throw the football. But 18 points is an awful lot of points to be laying here with a smash bell football team like the Naval Academy that's going to show up. You know, this, this team shows up on a weekly basis. This hasn't been their best year, but you know you're going to get an honest effort from them. And I think the kids on Notre Dame could be a little bit let down and disappointed after the, uh, the blowout loss last week. Give me the middies plus 18.
1: Okay, one of the one of the many reasons why it's uh, it's great to have you on every week, twice in every show, is the depth of the knowledge, depth of the games. You know, North Texas. Maybe a lot of people don't follow what's happening with Amin Green in Denton, but Seth Luttrell, former Oklahoma fullback, doing a remarkable job, could be headed towards a possible conference USA championship. You know, they play Army today. What do you think about North Texas and Army?
3: well you know what uh, army have been very good to me we've been banging Army on a weekly basis uh, we've been picking our spots correctly and i like this army football team a lot in fact i think the wrong the wrong monkeys probably in the nfl like the tampa bay buccaneers number one the Bucks should uh their quarterback shouldn't take uber and number two i think the bucks would be better off running the army offense than the offense they're running uh, but with that being stated i'm really intrigued by this game guys I really am. This is a fun football game, and this is the third time that these two teams are playing each other in a calendar year here. They played each other twice uh, last year. North Texas upset Army uh, you know, at West Point, and then uh, they played in a bowl game, and Army, Army got some revenge, but North Texas got the cover. North Texas can really sling the football around, and I think that's going to be a problem for Army keeping up. We talk about, you know, I love these military academy teams, but they have a hard time if they have to play from behind, and what I like about this, too. Normally when you play a military academy school or you know Georgia Tech this option attack it's difficult because you don't see it very often you know if you're if you're North Texas you've seen this twice you you know you've seen this more than you've seen anything else uh, for that matter right now so when you sit down and break down the tape you're like oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah they went left instead of right at that time they faked me out that time they're gonna remember every minute detail of playing against army twice in the last calendar year. And I just think, you know, this is a tough place to play up there, man, in Denton. They you know, they haven't lost at home. They, uh, North Texas are a good program. They're flying under the radar, like you said, Rich. I, I like them. The Mean Green are a live team here. They're falling at the mouth. They want to beat Army. get
0: All right, Gabe, we'll get you back. We'll be tweeting as the games start. Good luck. Great insight and information. I happen to like North Texas today as well. They got the, they got the victory in the regular season last year, like he mentioned. Did lose the bowl game to Army 38-31, to 31, but I do feel it's the speed on the perimeter. As you know, I disagree with the Navy pick. I, I like Notre yeah, Dame. I, I,
1: I agree with you. I, it's an odd pick only because of the quarterback situation. I, I think going could be more of a toss-up in terms of the 18, 19 points if if Navy was set at quarterback, but you could be going down to a third stringer against better athletes at Notre Dame. So I'm with you. I I, I hesitate to go against Gabe, but this is one of those cases where all the want-to in the world, all of the motivation in the world might not be enough against that Notre Dame ground attack.
0: And when I break that game down as well, it's the offensive line. I mean, you have a physicality. You have 50 pounds per man. Not only that, when I look at last year's loss in Jacksonville, uh, Deshaun Kaiser was a a pocket passer for the most part. I mean, Brandon Wimbush is going to put pressure on on the perimeter of that defense, and that's where I think you could have some big plays in the play action passing game. We'll see. I mean, Notre Dame's allowing 140 rushing yards per game. This is a Navy offense that put up 559
1: last week against SMU. Well, and that was with Malcolm Perry behind center. I don't know. He's not going to be 100%. I don't know if he suits up or not. But the other thing to keep in mind is some years, Navy is really feisty on defense. They've had some good linebacker cores. They'll they'll press from the secondary and really defend the run well. That's not the case this year. They're allowing almost five yards a carry. So if Notre Dame has even a hint of motivation in this right. game with Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey up front, right. they should be able to blow Navy and, off the and ball. And the one concern for
0: D- Navy defensively, only 12 sacks. If they can't get pressure on Brandon Winbush and he's allowed to pick apart that secondary, I yeah. think that's where you'll see some matchups in the speed of Notre Dame on the perimeter at the wide receiver position. Yeah. So we'll see. But we're all on Virginia today, and I like when we're all on the same team. I mean, I hope Bankert jumps up or early, gain some confidence, and we'll see how it plays out at Just give them some health and catch those catchable <laughs> balls. That's all. When we come back, it's best bet time. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello. five minutes to kick. Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. It's best selection time. Let's jump right into it. I talk Navy. I talk Notre Dame. I'm expecting the Irish to bounce back in a big way. I love Notre Dame over Navy today.
1: 52-17, to Rich. Uh, I would agree with you. Close to a best bet for me. If you're Navy and you're going to compete with Notre Dame, you better have a healthy quarterback. And they don't right now. We'll see.
0: 330 kick LSU. Tennessee, I think LSU rolls by 21
1: or more. Not a best selection, but it is you. It is for me. We're on the same wavelength in terms of the spread in this game. I think it'll be 20-plus. Tennessee, to me, has one foot in the offseason already. Baylor's won four straight over Iowa State by 26.5
0: points per game. Upset special. Bears rebound. 37-34. Thirty-seven,
1: thirty-four. Yeah, this is one of those uh, rare times this weekend where we disagree. I disagree vehemently. I, I think v- Iowa, v- State, Iowa State. Iowa State is looking for a weaker opponent to get back on track. They've played a lot of really quality Big Twelve teams, beating TCU, beating Oklahoma. I think this is one where they take out some frustration and really wallop a bad Baylor defense. We'll see. Zeb
0: Nolan might start. He is a redshirt freshman in that ballgame on the road in Waco. Penn State, Nebraska, we had Ralph Brown on. He said they're going to need to bring their A game. I would take the points. Not a best selection, but you think Penn State
1: rolls? Yeah, I'm always uncomfortable laying so many points. It means that you're going to be sweating this out till at least the end of the third quarter or early fourth quarter. But I think Penn State goes north of 50 against that Nebraska run defense whether Tanner Lee plays or not doesn't matter to me. I, I see this as about a fifty-two to seventeen victory for Penn State. No,
0: oh, we'll see. It is a three thirty kick in Happy Valley. Uh, Purdue on the road to face Iowa. Iowa six and four. Purdue four and six. Iowa's won four straight by eighteen points per game. But I'm loving that Purdue front seven that is holding opponents to seventy-one rushing yards over the last three weeks. They lose a very close
1: game, thirty-seven to thirty-four, in Iowa City. I'd be surprised if they can get into the 30s against the Iowa defense, Joe. I, listen, the Hawkeyes up and down, week to week, schizophrenic. I don't know what to expect, but I think this is the week where they play well at home. Purdue, a not-a-good road team. I, I think it's Iowa by two touchdowns. Yeah, we'll see. It is a
0: 330 kick. It is on ESPN, so check that out. We're talking about another Big Ten battle. Michigan on the road at 12 o'clock in Camp Randall. I think they pick up a gutty 14-10 to 10 win over the Badgers. Not a best selection, but you're all
1: over. I am. I, I, I Wisconsin was sold, in I was ball, sold on Wisconsin last week against Iowa. I, I think it's Wisconsin versus Wisconsin light. And I don't like Brandon Peters, the young... Michigan quarterback against that whiskey defense in Camp Randall. I'm going to be jumping around as Wisconsin <laughs> covers this game. I need it. I need a cover this week. I'm going to be jumping around when Mason Rudolph throws for seven touchdowns
0: in Stillwater and Pace, Pace, uh, K-State and Bill Snyder, 48-17.
1: to Oklahoma State rolls. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, it's a far superior team, but I like Kansas State getting three touchdowns. I think just to tweak you, I think it's going to be a DJ Reed punt return <laughs> for a touchdown for the cover late. I think backdoor cover Wildcats wow. is what I'm predicting. We'll,
0: we'll see. I like TCU with Sean Robinson. It is their defense, they pick up a gutty.
1: 13-point win in Lubbock, not a best selection, but it is. It it is, and I think I'll have to sweat this one out as well, but I agree. I think Sean Robinson, I think it becomes his coming-out party against a weak Texas Tech defense. I think he carries TCU to an important victory as they look to stay in contention for the Big 12 title. We're
0: bucking heads on a Big 12 battle. It's Tom Herman. It's Dana Holgerson. I'm taking the Longhorns,
1: 35-31. Yeah, I'll go with West Virginia. At home, Will Will Greer, better offense. Texas doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with West Virginia. West Virginia by eight plus.
0: The college football today trifecta special. Joe, Rich, and Gabe all over over the the Cavaliers. Cavaliers. Stay with us every Saturday. We'll see you next weekend. Enjoy the games for our great producers, Ashley and Pete and Rich Cermonello. This is Joe Lisi. Have a great weekend, everyone.